can you put half a beer in water and then it becomes normal <laughs> ABV? It's Literally. like, you know, with 2% milk, you're like, if I put water in it, does it become scam? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it becomes skim. If I mix red wine and white wine, then it becomes rose. rose? <laughs> Welcome to Burning What is up, guys? I'm your host, Hannah Burner, and we're in heaven. Just kidding. We are in hell with an incredible comic. Emily Lubin, who's the podcast host of the Hot Mess Comedy Hour and RIP Diets podcast. We have not delved deep into diet culture. We've done some a lot of like body um, confidence stuff. I did bulimia early on, which I feel like people never talk about bulimia. They're scared of the B word. And that had a great response from the little devil community. And I feel like we're going to do a deep dive into your psyche about being a hot mess and then also just tear apart diet culture are you fucking ready i'm so ready that sounds amazing (laughs) it's so good to see your face we need to talk also because the last time i saw you because we've been locked away for like a year and a half the last time i saw you you were a single gal big pimping up in nyc just living (laughs) your best life and now you're an engaged woman and you're touring. I'm an and engaged suburban mom. You're an engaged <laughs> suburban mom. You're rescuing dogs and shit. Like, I cannot handle it. It's so funny because during the pandemic, I legit was like, wake up, kiss my mans, take the rescue dog for a walk because I'm better than everyone because I have a rescue dog. Of course. Say hello to the other moms that are walking their dog. Talk about, like, the minimal things we have to do in the day. Go back home. Maybe try to cook something probably order out some italian food yeah that was my pandemic (laughs) that's a pretty good life but i always have felt close to you i feel like we understand each other like even though we haven't hung out that much i've always been like yeah she's my girl you're really good at like quality hilarious thirst traps which is like a random (laughs) fact about you didn't i say that to you you're good at like the tasteful thirst trap which is literally impossible to do but you do it that's the highest compliment. Thank you so much. Tasteful. I. That's funny because I don't go out of my way to try to be tasteful. I think mm-hmm. that's just kind of my look. Maybe that's what makes, that makes it sense. tasteful, the authenticity. Do you have any advice for people on how you do your thirst traps? Because like, there's always a sense of humor to it, but you're also like turned on by it. But you're also like, oh, that was kind of artsy. And then you're also like, what did she just do to my psyche? Yeah, I have some tips. Well, first of all, don't be afraid of the self-timer. Don't be afraid to, you know, set up a tripod and maybe put it on a video and uh, do some different things and then take screenshots. It's not going to be as high quality, but that's okay because Instagram, it only shows up for a minute and then everybody forgets about it. So whatever. She's like, don't be afraid to hire like a full team glam squad. (laughs) No, but (laughs) what kind of... like mental place you have to be in to want to take a good selfie are you in a really confident place are you in a really insecure place where's it coming from it always comes from a place of confidence it always comes from a place of like I think I look cute I think it's cool so fuck everybody else no just kidding don't fuck (laughs) but you know what I mean it's like it has to be from a place of confidence because if I'm not feeling good like I really admire people 
who are able to use social media really intentionally and be <laughs> on it every day and like post the shit out of the- I-, I just am not one of those people I can't be on social media all the time I have to limit it to like a couple hours a day which doesn't sa- I mean that still sounds like a lot but compared to like scrolling on your phone all yeah. day like in between doing what you're doing it really fucks me up mentally. So well, sometimes some, I need to take a break. Somewhere we've forgotten that social media is bad for our mental health. Like, I feel like it's something that, like, you hear in the background, like, don't do drugs. But, like, everyone does it. Where it's like, I forgot that social media was bad for me. And then I'm wondering why I'm depressed. And then thinking I can still be on social media all day and have a different result. So part of me at first was like, oh, she's not on social media all day. Yes, yeah, she might be missing opportunities of, like, getting a viral video of you doing something silly but then also like overall sh- you get viral videos to be happy that's right is a, like s- a small spike of happiness it's not sustainable or your mental health is actually good because you're not on social media <laughs> this is just me talking right. my shit out actually no i respect that um it's a process you know i think the viral video will uh, and uh, also I've never had a viral video I'm not (laughs) again I'm not good at it I'm not really not good at social media but um I feel like it would only make me happy for a day and then I would just feel like I need to do something else or less right or more pressure to get a more viral video it's a real real tough journey but you have this podcast called the hot mess comedy hour and I want to know how would you define a hot mess so when we started the podcast it's me and another comedian Andrea Allen and when we started it uh it was six years ago and we were you know young comedians and we started it as a way to kind of promote ourselves as stand-ups and then it ended Mm -hmm. up being becoming our main thing and becoming like our bread and butter but Back six years ago, in 2015, Hot Mess was kind of like a a funny, trendy way to be like, I'm such a mess. Like, I'm out here living life. I don't know how to live my life. I have all these mental problems, but I'm fun and I'm cute, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of super played out, but here we are. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) So we I talk- actually think it's not played out in a way that like people were saying it so much that no one's saying anymore. So it's like back cool again to be a hot mess. Oh, you think it's come around? It's come back around. Yeah, it's like Y2K fashion. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's the Y2K fashion of podcasts. Of podcasts. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. It's so hard to not talk. It's so hard Zoom to not is talk like, over each other. This is Zoom. We're having fun on Zoom. This is like... <laughs> you're trying to do zoom therapy and it's like people say i talk over what i talk over people i don't listen to people um do you I do, do zoom th- therapy i do oh what is that effective for you do you feel like it's the same as seeing somebody in person <sighs> seeing someone in person you have to make the commitment and it's almost like harder to like get up and go and like get on the subway and then like go in an office and you almost like admit more like that you're in therapy. It's almost more traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. Not that being in therapy is bad, but you're just like thinking more about being in therapy than like maybe what you're actually learning where the Zoom therapy is so easy to just go on and immediately just talk to a friend yeah there's pros and cons there have been times where the internet's been bad and i'd be like i i want my fucking four hundred dollars back 
but also i didn't even realize that she was based in florida until like last week like i didn't even think about it oh really yeah yeah so you can talk to somebody from any part of the country and yeah because i've i've never actually done remote therapy but all the things that i hated about in-person therapy it would be avoided doing remote because just sitting in that waiting room with the sound machines going off, it triggers me. Like the thought of yes, it triggers me. it's super me. triggering. And then sometimes like I take in a lot of people's emotions and when I'm sitting with the therapist, I will like get distracted by things like, well, why is she writing that? And like, why does she have that weird painting up? And like, why does it smell funny in here? And like, does she think my outfit's weird? And like, is she looking at my leg <laughs> going up and down? Like, I don't, there's so many more distractions. So it's almost like you're just yeah. having a conversation. But I highly recommend zoom therapy is better than no therapy going back to you being like i have mental problems i'm a comic i have this great podcast what specifically do you think is the messiest about you (laughs) um for me it's definitely uh it's always been problems with self-confidence insecurity body image um it my entire life that's been like my biggest struggle um And I do talk about that a fair amount on Hot Mess, but it's a it's a comedic show, right? So yeah, I was always like, I don't want to bring everybody down by like talking about my eating disorder. I still do it, Mm -hmm. but there was always this like me needing to keep it light and me not wanting to really go there a lot, which Mm -hmm. is why I ended up starting my other podcast, uh, R.I.P. Diet, so I could talk to people about body image and not really worry about having to make jokes and having to be funny and and engage people that way. So as someone myself who suffered from an eating disorder before, I dealt with a little like anorexia female triad athlete syndrome in my teens. It's a very obsessive thing where it takes over your life. Were you ever afraid that doing a podcast where you're talking about it all the time could be like not healthy for your brain? And I'm not trying to like yeah. give you anxiety, but I want to honestly understand your relationship <laughs> to it. Yeah, no, sometimes it is hard. And uh, that's something that I struggle with because when I, I, I record it every week. Yeah. So now I find myself thinking about things. And in some ways it's good because I'm thinking about things from a, a very objective lens like I I, and everything I see on TV and everything I see in movies and even when I'm talking to people I'm like oh this would be interesting to talk about on the podcast like Mm -hmm. this is really fucked up diet culture is everywhere (laughs) but but then if I don't feel good and I'm and I'm struggling then I don't want to go on there and be a hypocrite and tell people to have confidence in their body if I don't feel good about my body. So that was a tricky thing to like learn to be able to talk about in a way that would be helpful to people instead of me just going on mic and crying. Yeah. Well, I also I think of burning in hell where it's all about mental health. And there are times in the pod where I feel great. And then there's times in the pod where I'm actually depressed. And sometimes talking to someone, I'll straight up like need to hear something and ask them how they deal with it. So I'll selfishly use my pod. But um, yeah, you you use it as therapy. Yes, I look I did an intensive like look at RIP diets. And the stuff you talk about is so fascinating. And I think you're super intelligent. And I want 
like my listeners to understand a little more about the concept of diet culture because everything is so fucking trendy and like my mom was a nutritionist for a bit and she jokes about like one day fat's good then fat's bad sugar's addicting then it's not so it's like right now what is the current trend with diet culture with body image what is like you you wrote like diet culture vultures like what's Mm -hmm. the weight loss industry trending on or being a vulture with now I'm so happy you asked. And I want you to go off. I I feel like people need to know this. People need to know this. And this is going to make some people angry. This is going to make some people very confused and defensive. But I'm going to say it anyway because I'm a truth teller. Hell yeah. When you see a company that um, talks about wellness and uh, clean eating um, and uh, like specific plans to improve fitness or wellness, like wellness is the biggest industry right now. That is coded language for dieting. And we don't want to say the word diet anymore because it's not in fashion. People don't want to feel like they're on a diet. People don't want to tell other people to be on a diet because we recognize that it's bad, right? So the weight loss industry has very cleverly disguised this whole thing as wellness. So I actually think in some ways it's worse now Mm. because we're making people think that dieting equals health when it really does not, especially not for your mental health. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So it's pretty much the same formula, but just with different words that they've been preying on. I'll, I'll give you an example, and I'm not going to say the brand's name, but mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe you'll be able to guess it. It's um, it's a small, uh, it's vegan, but they, they don't call themselves vegan. They call themselves plant-based. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, kind, it's this company that makes like pre-packaged meals and delivers them to you. And then there's mm-hmm. also like little smoothie powders and stuff. It's one of those. They wanted to sponsor Hot Mess a couple years ago. And I had a phone call with this girl, probably an intern, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's telling me about the products. And there's this smoothie powder that's supposed to replace caffeine. Like, apparently caffeine is bad now. Um, Mm -hmm. News to me, I drink so much caffeine. But... (laughs) She's telling me, she's like, yeah, I just, I drink the smoothie powder in the morning. I just froth it into a drink and then I don't have to eat again until 4 p.m. And I'm thinking to myself, like, in what universe is that healthy? Mm -hmm. How is that healthy? Mm -hmm. And people are expected to pay hundreds of dollars for that. This is a luxury company. And that is just insane. I think that's really insane that people are still buying things to like, quote, curb your appetite and think that that's healthy when really like the healthy thing is to actually feed yourself and to respond. The branding is really dangerous, like especially when it's chic and cool and you see aspirational cool girls doing it and you're just like, you get so overconsumed with like what you could be and but it's like, those bitches aren't happy. (laughs) No, and they're weak. Also, they're hungry. They're weak. <laughs> they're hungry. Beat their ass. <laughs> they're hungry. And like, I don't know if you ever used uh, tracker apps like my fitness pal or no. any of those. I definitely did because in college, I, I used to be 
classified as overweight until I was about 20. I was a senior in college. And then I went on a really restrictive diet and I lost about 50 pounds to start. And um, I was tracking everything I ate. And on those apps, they tell you, you know, if you want to lose this many pounds a week, then you only eat 1200 calories a day. 1200 calories a day is not really enough for anybody. And I think it's really that's like dangerous. A bowl, that's like a bowl of pasta bolognese. Exactly. And I, that's I my eat dinner. 1200 calories for, for dinner. Dinner. Essentially. Yeah, that's like a solid dinner. But, you know, we've been brainwashed to think that we need so much less than we actually need. And mm. then we wonder why we're tired and stressed and cranky all the time. And we don't stop to think like, well, maybe I'm not feeding myself. Maybe yeah. I'm... I'm acting according to these rules that have been set for me, but that actually has nothing to do with my internal body cues or my hunger or my fullness. So just getting back in touch with that. And I talk about this on the podcast too. Um, I follow intuitive eating, which Mm -hmm. it's a program that basically gets you back in touch with your natural hunger cues and your satiety cues and teaches you how to eat without any external food rules at all. It's basically the way that like we're all meant to eat, but few of us actually do. Okay. Um, I have to slow you down for a sec because you just dropped some quality bombs. What is is a society cue and what are external roles on food this is good this is good shit so i probably mispronounced that external <laughs> rules oh rules, <laughs> like rules okay we, but rules. same thing external rules as yes. well okay so uh satiety cues are um it's it's fullness so fullness cues like um i'm satiated that's where that comes from yeah your hunger cues are when you're hungry your satiety cues are when you're getting full and and that's an I, innate thing that we have, but we can try to battle that based on like external rules, maybe. Yes, exactly. Like we're all born with it. If you feed a baby, and I, I don't know if you've ever fed a baby before. I have <laughs> nephews, but I have nephews, so I feed babies quite often. They, When they're done, they're done. And It doesn't matter. They could be enjoying the food. When they're hungry, they will let you know. And when they're done, like they physically cannot eat anymore. Like you will be trying to shove more creamed spinach into the baby's mouth and they will refuse Mm -hmm. to eat it. Okay. That's something that you naturally have. But then as you get older, all these rules are taught to you like, oh, you shouldn't go back for seconds. Oh, you shouldn't eat. Uh, dessert before your broccoli oh you shouldn't eat this because it has too many carbs this has too much fat it's all taught to us and then we lose those natural cues and then you put different meanings onto food and once you put a different meaning onto it like oh that's something I can't have the next thing you know you're binging it or like that kind of thing it's funny because this is a weird metaphor but I saw something where it was like if you realized you're cat let's say is unhealthy or like needed to lose some weight for health reasons what would you do you would not start starving the cat you might start being like okay let's play a little longer during the day cut down a little bit because we still want to make sure that she's getting her nutrients and it'll be like a 
a natural thing where let's change some stuff but like keeping her intuitive eating if that makes right. sense. right you don't just cut out an entire meal for the cat you don't just say to the cat <laughs> yo cat we're like, oh, intermittent been... fasting now <laughs> what is you your know, opinion like on the, intermittent fasting i fucking hate it <laughs> I, I well okay no, i don't hate it i just think it's stupid and there's a difference i think it's stupid because it's just basically a rebrand of skipping breakfast, which is something that I was doing in high school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're calling it intermittent fasting and saying it has all these benefits that are not scientifically proven at all because there's no long term studies. And then people on it. are like, you could eat anything you want during the day. I'm like, I'm pretty sure if you say anything, it could go really <laughs> bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it could go really bad in either direction, right? Because, yes. like, you. If you're only eating in a six hour window, there's just so there's only so much that you could physically eat. Mm -hmm. So for me, I would definitely eat as much as I could physically eat in that six hour window if I was doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to make me feel good. I just think uh, I, I think if there was like a magic remedy for it all, I think we would have found it already. I don't think any of these new woo woo things that people are coming up with are valid at all just purely because I think we would have the answer people wouldn't be struggling with it so much if there was an answer I agree and as someone who has I would strongly say recovered from an eating disorder my eating disorder was never like initially connected to like my body how I looked it was more like a perfectionist like wanting to go pro in tennis so like being and feeling out of control so it was it was a lot in control once I started just like trusting my body that my body will know what it needs and again it's intuitive but like you get scared like oh no if I'm not focusing on the amount of food I'm consuming I'll just go off and it's like no no right. no you're but like I'll have days where I pig out but I know the next day I know I'm not gonna be that hungry and if I listen right. to my body, I will consume exactly what I need. Are there things like if I'm eating, a, drinking a ton of Gatorade, I'm like craving a ton of Gatorade all the time and like not drinking enough water. Yes, there's little things I can change that I know my habits are. But a lot of it is like knowing and losing the fear of if I get off kilter, I'm just going to like become obese or like I'm going right. to lose control of where it's like trust that your body is going to take care of you. Right. And I think that people are really scared to do that. And then when they try to do it, especially if you've been dieting for your entire life, like the way that I was, it took like maybe a year or two years for me to not be binging on certain foods. and, Mm. and, And also I would start trying to eat intuitively and then I would stop doing it because I'd be like oh this is insane I'm eating family size bags of chips this is not right I this is not the right thing for me to do but that's only because I was restricting for so long that my body just thought I was in a famine constantly you know what I mean like you need to rebuild that trust you and to really do that you need to show yourself that 
even if you do overeat, you're not going to restrict the next day because that it's a cycle. And if you restrict the next day, it's only going to lead to you overeating later. And and naturally, like if you were that full at night, normally in the morning, I'm not like, oh, I feel like 10 pancakes. You're like, OK, I feel right. like I just like it's what your body your body's going to tell you when it wants to stop and when it wants more. And I just think it's so important for people to understand that, like you should be more scared of fucking up your metabolism. Like you should be more scared of losing trust in your body than being scared of gaining five pounds. Like, I don't know if I just lie to myself, but I'm always like, want to keep my metabolism up. I'm having this pasta (laughs) or like I have, you know, I need carbs before the stand up set because I don't want to get dizzy on stage. I need energy. I say I need energy because it's like this vessel, but also I, I want to know, you said intrusive thoughts about your body because mm-hmm. especially as a woman, diet and body are sometimes very connected. What do you mean by intrusive thoughts about your body? Um, well, when I said that, I was referring to, I, I've always had a really low self-esteem I think it's much I've gotten to a place where it's much much better now than it used to be but I was taught that like having the body that I had was wrong Mm. and that I needed to change it and there were also other things going on that I just thought I was wrong that's the thing it was never fully about my body that was just one component of it yes so now one thing that I need to work on is I will call myself lazy um, because a lot of the time I feel unmotivated. I have trouble finishing my work. I might, you know, we're, you and I, like we're our own boss, which is great. It's, it's such a great thing. It's such a blessing. I'm so thankful for it, but it's also really hard, especially when you're not that disciplined. I was never like, uh, somebody who studied a lot in school or like mm-hmm. tried particularly hard. I was just like, I was a cruiser, so to speak. And I just kind of like did what I wanted to and mostly got away with it. So now like having to run a business and having to put things out on time and have deadlines and manage, you know, interns, like it's a, it's a lot for me. And so I will get really down on myself about my lack of motivation. I'll call myself lazy and I will immediately start taking it out on my body. Mm. And uh, this voice, it's, it's not even, it's not even really me. Like I call it the eating disorder voice. It's in my head and it's saying, okay, like all of these things are happening that you can't control. So stop eating (laughs) essentially. And, you know, if you lost 10 pounds, you would be so much better. And just all this stuff that I I think is just at the end of the day, just like a a distraction from what I'm really feeling, which is unmotivated or stressed out. So those are like the intrusive thoughts. They're like the thoughts that I never asked for. They just happen. Like it's not, it's not even really me. I know that sounds nuts, but like it's no, not that's, me. That's how you recover from that by knowing that those voices are not authentically you and you can love yourself like you're allowed to. You don't have to listen to the negativity. But it's funny because yeah. you said I've been taught to not like myself. I've been taught to sometimes not like my body. Who do you think was teaching you? Um, my mother. 
<laughs> because uh, I was in a, it was like a really, it was like the worst situation imaginable in a way in terms of like my body image because mm. I have a very model-esque mother. <laughs> she, I mean, she looks like 20 years younger than she actually is and um, is it was just always super lean, super fashionable, would never leave the house without makeup, very image focused um, always. And I also had an older sister who was very petite. She's about five foot one or five foot two, um, small, cute, would always be praised for how cute and tiny and petite she was. And Not I thought that up was... any space. <laughs> yes. And I thought that's what was beautiful. Like to me, she was the standard of beauty that and my sense. mom too. But, but I looked up to my sister so much and look, and I could never be that because I was always tall. I had bigger feet than her, bigger hands, a bigger head. Um, and there was never any discussion over my body it was always like this unspoken thing that like that it was the elephant in the room my mom would take me to nutritionists like as young as age seven she was always trying to get me to diet always uh like putting me on different programs she sent me to fat camp when I was 10 um and so it was always a problem and also going to the doctor was always like the most stressful thing for me and I remember this one time we were going to the doctor and I I would never confide in my mom about my weight because I knew that she really disapproved of my weight Mm. and I just didn't I didn't want to talk about it like I just it was a really sensitive subject I didn't want to talk about it but I was so stressed out about going to the doctor this one time because I had weighed myself And I saw that I had gained weight and I knew the doctor was going to say something about it. So we're in the car ride over and I say to my mom, I'm like, mom, I'm really scared. I'm really scared because I weighed myself yesterday and I gained 10 pounds this summer. And I know that the doctor is going to say something about it. I'm so scared about it. And what I had hoped would happen would be that she would say like, okay, do you not want to go? Let's turn the car around. We don't have to go. We can go another day. Just, or just some words of, of. uh, That it's okay. That it's okay. That, you know, I'm not going to be mad at you. But it was the complete opposite. It was Mm. like, how could you have gained that much weight? You should have been losing that much weight. So like, even now going to the doctor, and being weighed at the doctor. I haven't weighed myself in maybe five years. And going to the doctor, they always tell me to get on the scale. And to, even to this day, and I, I'm a very healthy weight, but even now it's the most traumatizing thing ever. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff I really think was was taught to me. I think that if I was... I think if my parents were more educated, I don't think it's that they're bad people. I don't think it's that they had anything against me. I know that they love me very much and I'm very close to my parents, but they just didn't know. They didn't know about this stuff. Um, the nineties was like diet culture, diet culture central. Kate Moss. And yeah, Kate Moss, Fiona Apple. Um, 
Christina Aguilera. I mean, you could go on and on and on. Like that was what was beautiful. And, um, and they just didn't know. I, I think that if they knew about intuitive eating and really, or even not just intuitive eating, just knew to let my body develop naturally and see what happened. I do think that it, I would have leveled out. I would have reached a stable place, mm-hmm. but I was so wound so tight all the time and so unhappy and so stressed that I would turn to food for comfort. So it actually had the opposite effect than was intended. And then I struggled with it for like another 10, 15 years. Um, So that's what I mean when I say it was taught to me. It's not like anybody ever sat me down and said like, you should hate yourself. But it was heavily implied based on what they were trying to get me to do and also how much they would praise my sister who had a a very different body type than I did. Well, it makes complete sense that when you're stressed out, you will not let yourself eat because food equated to like failing, like eating was people would be disappointed in you. So when you're disappointed in yourself, it's like, why would I let myself eat? Because exactly. So it it makes complete sense to me. Um, But it's funny that we grew up with the thin girls but I'm equally fucking angry about the current like situation of what is beautiful that is so fake and face tuned <laughs> that it's like I know. these bodies are not even attainable. Like I know, at, like at least before girls could starve and think that they were. But I mean, you still would never like yourself. It's a deeper thing. But now you have to go under the knife. Or edit your photos to have the body ratio of ass to like you have to remove a fucking rib at this point and it's multiple multiple ribs and then insert it into your ass um yeah yeah and then take the fat from your pinky toe and put it in your earlobe like I don't know what the fuck is going on sorry it's it's annoying yeah like there's this trend on Instagram that I've been noticing where women don't have cupid's bows anymore you know like the cupid's bow in your lip like I have a very very yes pronounced cupid's bow yeah I'm noticing that either people are filling them in Mm -hmm. or they're they're pumping their lips with something that fills in the cupid's bow area yeah it's crazy. Every few years, there's something completely different. And I think that's the problem with plastic surgery is that what if you get a complete makeover oh and God. then two years later, your look is out. The Instagram girls look completely different. Maybe they're all um, maybe they have like extra pronounced Cupid's bows and you just fucked up oh your chances. You just nailed something that I think I've been trying to hit on for a while because I, I talk about plastic surgery on this pod and I talk shit about the overall concept of it but I do think you nailed it like everyone looks the same right now everyone's trying to look like Kylie Jenner everyone is getting their eyes to look like um to pull up their eyes by their it's there's a it's called like a brow lift or brow thread whatever to look like fox eyes and then the big lips the tiny nose and if you look at beauty over the years it's it's literally trendy yeah. And now everyone looks the fucking same, which is literally the last thing you do to like lose anxiety. Anxiety is when you don't feel like your authentic self. So stop pushing away from it. And then you're so right in fucking three years, it's not <laughs> going to be popular to have your your eyes stretch back to your ponytail. 
No, people are going to want, you know, bug eyes. They're going to want to, they're going to want like yeah. a perfectly circular like round eyebrows eye. over the years, how much eyebrows have changed. And Girl. we joke that we tweeze too much and now we're fucked. Well, you guys are fucking cutting your faces up and your bodies <laughs> up and you expect, and also the money you put into it. Like it makes, and you know what? To people listening who have gotten plastic surgery, I'm not mad at you. I'm no. mad that for whatever reason, the world has made you feel like you have to. Right. Um, And I get it. Listen, I've like I've definitely flirted with the idea of certain procedures. Mainly, I wanted implants for a really long time. I don't want them anymore because I can't afford them. But (laughs) (laughs) but like certain things, definitely also my nose. I've noticed that like everybody has this perfect little Barbie doll nose Mm -hmm. and um and that I won't fix because I feel like that would be um, anti-Semitic. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just, it's really unrealistic. And I think the problem with it is that nobody talks about it. I mean, some people talk about it, but the vast majority don't. So I can't imagine what it would be like to be a teenager now and to be, to not be aware of how rampant it is. And I mean, TikTok has a beauty filter. Like, why do you need a beauty filter? They added a beauty filter because they were afraid that people would not post enough if they just saw their real selves on the camera. They had to put a beauty filter to make people feel confident enough. So you had to make people change how they look to feel confident enough. That is fucked up. It is fucked up. I mean, I, I mean, but... It's only going to get worse. That's the thing. It's only going to get worse. And we don't know the long-term effects of it. That's another thing. Like all of these new procedures, how do we not know that lip fillers cause autism? Like how do we not know? I Or cancer. I was thinking about like writing some kind of funny like bit or tv show about like what if long term like botox turns everyone into zombies or like botox like change like we don't know the long-term effects of botox no like I mean, what, you're, it's going it's into your fucking, yeah it's like putting toxins into your bloodstream um and the thing about <sighs> botox is that's another thing that i've definitely flirted with because yeah. you know my it's preventative peers, it's preventative, it's preventative. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, my peers who are, I'm 30 and my peers who are in their thirties are already, you know, getting scary amounts of Botox and you feel like you need to keep up. And then you start noticing fine lines that definitely nobody else even notices, but I notice Mm them. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't justify getting something that then I need to get for the rest of my life in order to keep it up because that fades away after a few months and then you just need to get it redone and the more you get it done the more you think you need it's it's honestly the same cycle as like the uh binge restrict cycle it's like the more that you do it the more you think you need you're dependent on it exactly so I can't get it's like your nails it's like um, during quarantine, when we all like stopped wearing makeup every day, stopped doing our nails, and you started to get like comfortable and like actually liking the like naked roll mat, like I call it the naked mole rat that you just see in the mirror. Like at first, you're yeah. like, oh god, me without a full face, and then you're like, wait, I like how this looks because you see it all the time. But then when yeah. you're stuck with seeing yourself with these beauty filters and just seeing yourself with Botox, the next thing you know, you look like a raisin without it. When it's like can we just stop fighting aging like it's scary 
I mean, I even, I said this out loud the other day because I'm turning 30 next month and I was like, wow, I only have like seven more years in the entertainment industry of being like a young girl. <laughs> and that's yeah. fucking scary. Yeah. That's scary to me. Like I put pressure on myself. Like, oh, I have seven years to like possibly get a role in a movie where I'm playing like the young girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hate to say this, Hannah, but that's generous. Seven years. <laughs> And I do. Have, I would like, have good said four. I have good Italian, like olive oil skin. I'm like, um, counting on it. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm hoping we could, the industry can change where like people want more narratives from women in their forties and like, it's it's um, it's fucked. Yeah, it's. I mean, the theme of today's show is it's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> this theme of the hut. It's a train wreck. We're in a train wreck. But I do believe that like. just like eating and just like Botox it's like be nice to yourself be kind to yourself be empathetic with yourself and make decisions coming from love instead of hate which is obviously easier to say than do yeah the thing is all of this stuff is easier to say than to put into practice like it's it's you need to be really committed what really what people need to do is they need to stop and ask themselves like why they're beating themselves up and why they're doing certain things and mm-hmm. if it's not if if it's to impress other people or if it's not unless and uh, listen like for an entertainer I get it more I get it more for yeah. a Hollywood actress or a runway model or um even like a pop star <laughs> I suppose I suppose even though Lizzo is like one of the top selling pop Mm -hmm. stars in in the world Mm -hmm. but for a normal person you don't need to look like a Kardashian like I I don't I don't I think like we need to stop and ask ourselves Kardashians don't need to look like Kardashians (laughs) they don't even look like Kardashians (laughs) and what's gonna happen to them that's another thing what's gonna happen to them when they when they're all in their 50s What's going like, to happen when their kids grow up and they don't look related to them and the kid <laughs> and the kid doesn't understand like what's going on and why they look a type of way. Right. And and the, you said this before, but like I don't judge Kylie Jenner for like getting shit in her face and body mm-hmm. like that. They, they're situation is not my situation yeah like and I talked about this on my podcast too because do you remember when Chloe's unedited photo was leaked okay so everybody's freaking out because they're like why does she want to take this photo down like and I had the same reaction I was like she looks great like I I don't understand why she even I didn't think twice about it when I saw the photo And, and if she had never taken that initiative to try to get it down no one would. I don't think any I think it would have been up for a day maybe there would have been haters maybe there wouldn't have been because she looked fucking phenomenal I feel like she gets more hated more haters when she posts like blurred out photos of her nose photoshopped pictures yes of course I kind of said on the podcast like you need to understand that to live in nobody lives in her reality like that their situation they live on another planet as far as I'm concerned their entire business is built around an image that is mostly fake and she has uh, she in particular also has been 
ripped apart for so many years about not looking as good as them um and then it and having then, sisters and, who are tiny like literally exactly. tiny put them in your pocket oh she must have had a different father like really obnoxious a horrible shit a lot of online bullying and then so much so that she then doubled down into like this fitness influencer-esque yep. lifestyle and now people are criticizing her for that and criticizing her for overly perfecting her photos. Yep. So I think to live in her reality means that any photo that is on the internet that you do not approve of is a potential for somebody to wage war on you. So if you look an at attack it from on that, your business that you've constructed, that it, is also yeah. your life because we're living in an age where a lot of people's lives are their business. But I also do want to call myself out a little for being a hypocrite in that when I'm t yelling at people like, don't get Botox, don't get plastic surgery. I'm also getting my teeth straightened right now, you know, but in mm -hmm. my head in society, that's what people do. But I'm scared that it's getting to the point where, oh, when girls turn 20, you get lip filler. That's what you do. And like, because I was joking with my fiance and he was like, you're getting your teeth straightened. How is that any different than Botox? And I know that teeth, like there could be like bacteria stuff and it's a little more nuanced, but it's more like I don't want us to get to the point where it's so fucking normalized that like yeah. everyone's doing it. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Because like in Europe, you would say that... You don't just put braces on every kid. Right. I, I think that's an interesting point because that's like for cosmetic reasons. Like mm -hmm. obviously I had braces when I was young because I needed to. Mm -hmm. But now I know so many people who have adult braces or Invisalign. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think it's the same. I think it's <laughs> I, I argued I think it's different, but I understand that like oh, like, do you want to straighten your bottom teeth because they're a little crowded? Sure. And then I can't, like, hate on people for necessarily getting Botox. However, it's it's just culturally things get normalized. And, like, yeah, it's true. Like, I don't want it to get normalized that, like, oh, you need to be on these expensive wellness plans that are literally for the size of, like, just not enough portion <laughs> for you yeah, to actually be satiated. full of cornflakes. Exactly. But, like, <laughs> organic cornflakes. Right. Amaranth. <laughs> Spelt. And I, there's I no sugar on it. It's a different substance that will satiate you for the rest of the day. No, it's coconut sugar, which is completely <laughs> different. Trust us. Don't look into it. Don't look into the science of it. It's completely different. Ugh. But it's, like, it's associated to be a cool girl. You have to have the cool lips, the cool food, the cool nails. And it's like all external bullshit. And it's like goes back to the beginning. Let's slow down our social media intake so we don't get affected by the cultural norms as much. So we can actually hear our authentic voice instead of the voices of any everyone yelling at us of what we should be and comparing ourselves all the time. Is that a good... Is, it, do you is like that, that a good? <laughs> I, I, don't know. I do like that. <laughs> I was like, to, end up. like, we've gone on a journey. Do you like that? We have gone on a journey. But I, you know, I just want to say one thing about that. I, I, I do sometimes get wrapped up in like the comparison game on Instagram and like, oh, this person is living so much more fabulously than me and is, is so much cooler and has like the cool jeans and like, what, <laughs> like whatever it is. But I have to say, um, I think 
I'm pretty fucking cool. Like, I think you and I are pretty fucking cool and we don't have any Botox in our faces. And I mean, like, talk to me again when I'm 40, I guess. But (laughs) also, I I don't I'm not saying we might not try it later. But <laughs> I live in constant fear that things I that also, I say on podcasts are going to come back to bite me in the oh, ass. Oh, I'm already there. I'm already there. I was like, I'll never delete my Facebook group. Like next week, deleted it. Um, it's it's called growth. It's called learning and evolving. Yes. But I also do want to say, I think you're gorgeous. And it, a lot of the time, especially because I'm aware of it, if someone got too much work on their face, it's like I don't see them for them. I see the work that got done. I'm like, oh, lips. Or like, oh, that's a lot of filler. I'm not like, oh, that's what Emily looks like. And look how she carries herself and look at her energy and look at her confidence and look at, you know, how she makes me feel. And let's let's embrace those things. Yes, ladies. And also post what makes you happy. That's another thing about social media. Look at us full circle on the thirst trap. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Post what makes you happy. If you want to show your ass, show your... I, I... really enjoy like expressing myself through fashion I really mm. enjoy um I I mean I enjoy posting about diet culture and about my podcasts and stuff like that I feel like uh, a lot of time I feel like nobody's actually listening but I do it anyway because it makes me happy yeah so imagine a ton of people are listening but you post stuff you think they're gonna like and then you go upset because it only had 15,000 likes instead of 20,000 versus right. you just right now posting to whoever's meant to see it for you Exactly. And I think that's just the way to go. Like do what feels authentic to you and don't do things because other people are doing them. Because like we said in don't be a follower years, don't don't be a sheep. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) In in four years. Yeah. Thank you. I am the black sheep. Um, Wait, how would you you describe your fashion? Like what? How would you describe it? Oh, um. My fashion's honestly like all over the place. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I go, um, hot mess express. Yes, hot mess express. I I love thrifting. I love being able to find things at, at, for cheap because I don't mm-hmm. make a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think you need to spend a lot of money to be stylish. No. Um, I love color, but I also love lack of color. I like every season I try to think about like, how do I want to dress this season? Like, who do Mm. I want to be? What do I want to? And that's something that makes me really happy. And, um, and I've always had like kind of a, kind of a wacky sense of style, but thankfully that's kind of coming into trend. Well, like, I feel like we both play with the, like, androgynous style at times where it's, like, kind of sporty or kind of, like, you don't have to be showing all your curves always, but sometimes you can because you do have them Mm -hmm. if you want to pop them off. Um, I think it's time to play our final game called The Seven Deadly Sins. Seven Deadly Sins. What are you greedy about? Candy. Ooh, what kind? <laughs> what kind? I love, I mean, I love licorice. I know it's weird, but okay. I really love licorice. The Trader she's, Joe's kind is really good. She's not a really sheep. Good. She's not I'm just not. eating Snicker bars just because the Listen, I'm not like other to. girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like peanut M&Ms, but I can't, my boyfriend's allergic to peanuts, so I don't keep him okay. around. A little selfish of um, him. Yeah, and also like Reese's cups and stuff. Like I, I don't eat too much of that anymore. And also like 
this was really tough for me because growing up, my family always treated allergies like a sign of weakness. Um, (laughs) And so like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like when my mom found out that my boyfriend has a peanut allergy, she, she will never let it go. It's like, it is a sign of weakness. We are better than other people because we don't have allergies and anyone who has allergies would not exist if EpiPens didn't exist. So, that but um, so, it's like survival of the fittest. He would have died in the stone age. So fuck him. A hundred percent. Like she makes fun of him for it. It's like her own little, I, I, I I'm always like, mom, that might, that might make him feel bad. Like don't, th- you know, <laughs> but she, she will not shut up about it anyway. Um, we can move on the allergy community is not with your mom right now um i stand with you guys i honestly stand with you guys like like if i if i stay with my boyfriend i will probably have children who have a slew of allergies and so i have to be okay with it people have sensitivities and honestly she's insensitive to them um who are you envious of Mm. uh who am i envious of are we talking about a real person or like a celebrity like a description of a person or a specific person you can call them out can it be not a person because i'm kind of envious of cats i I have literally have like a five minute bit in my stand-up about how i'm jealous of cats so please do you yeah. Okay, because, and I love dogs. Like, I actually, I think I'm more of a dog person, but I think cats I have the best, too. I think they have the best life because yeah. they don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, they come to you when they want to come to you and you're happy every time because you have no control over it. So whatever they give you, you're thankful for it. But people, they're and, not and dependent they're just, on you really they, for shit, except like feeding for them anything, in the morning. Is- for anything, and they just don't give a fuck and can act so bitchy at times, but people still think they're cute. And to me, that's the life that I want to live. So I love this so much because I have a bit about how I realized that cats and dogs both know their names, but cats just choose not to respond. And like that <laughs> level of boundaries and like always needing consent and like it is the self-respect of a cat is like next level and we all it's should so think admirable. like that i just know when i was younger and i was playing a lot of tennis and i was really stressed out and exhausted i was like 13 and i just saw my cat laying there and i'm just petting her and i'm like in my next life i need to be you and i've kind yeah. of just stuck with that <laughs> i want that for you do you believe in reincarnation um i think i do i think i do because i i kind of believe in past lives to an extent i just i I don't know if i believe or i want to believe but i feel like it's a thin line you know yeah i was gonna say there's really no difference it's like astrology (laughs) like i always say i don't believe in astrology but then i'll be like i can't come out because i'm a virgo you know (laughs) um i i don't think i believe in reincarnation but i i if i could choose i would definitely choose to be a cat also they always land on their feet like they don't even get injured like nope. I see dogs walking around here and they're like in the summer heat and they're exhausted but they need their exercise I go down to the park and I see all these dogs in the dog park just like defending their territory it's just a constant <laughs> battle cats just don't get hurt and nothing phases them and that's yeah that's yeah. the energy that I want to I want to lick their own butthole so I would never leave the house um, I wish I could lick my own butt. I wish. Too. What are you gluttonous about? So besides candy, like what's something you overindulge in? <laughs> um, reality TV. 
Oh my god! Like, what? What's oh yeah. your favorite? I'm a big Bravo person, uh-huh. but um, I'm ashamed. I haven't seen Summer House, but oh, and no, I'm it's ashamed. Okay. It's I'm ashamed. Okay. But I have seen <laughs> all of um, Real Housewives, which I got into during the quarantine. Uh-huh. Um, uh, of Beverly Hills that's the franchise that I've watched I tried to watch New York couldn't really get into it uh-huh. I'm also big on Love Island I'm really big on Love Island People I'm are big like on questioning this current new season of Love Island UK s- s- oh um it's not that good is that what you mean like yeah, yeah. it's 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 but do you feel I like feel like people coming in some shit could go down maybe I the one thing I will say about it is I, I don't think anybody really finds love on it like I I feel like out of Mm. there's probably been at least a hundred people who have competed and I think probably two couples from the first season are actually still together Mm. it's Mm. kind of just become this way that Instagram people can gain more followers Um, and the type of people have it's changed the type of people just like just like the bachelor do you remember back then how earnest it used to be and now it's just they're not here for the right reasons. What, like, what reasons are and we no, talking about? Nobody what, actually is. Why there, would you go on a reality I, show to find love? That's the stupidest idea I've yeah, ever. Yeah, and I love The Bachelor too. I, I, I've watched The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for probably like ten years. Never missed a season. Amazing. Um, I love Vanderpump Rules. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. literally the only one that I don't watch is Keeping Up with the Kardashians, just mm. purely because there's been so many fucking seasons yeah. that I, it would take over my life, and it's there's no way. I also it's feel so like they must have so much control of the production that there's almost like a lack of fun in it. Where like kind of the fun thing is you like to watch people like see when they lose control of their identities based on a reality tv show yeah well actually that part is kind of interesting to me my sister watches it and so i have seen like snippets of episodes when when she's been watching it and back in the day like i i feel like that show started when i was a freshman in college or something Mm. and or maybe even before maybe in high school but it was just about their family and it was just you know this kind of uh this romp of a show kind of like the Osbournes in a way like just here's this wacky family and all the wacky stuff they do together but they're also super rich and hot um but now it's become a show about how this crazy amount of fame has changed them and made them you know have to operate so differently and have to protect themselves it's very dramatic yeah, very dramatic quite, i haven't really watched it i'm gonna be honest so it's but i like to comment about what i think about it without watching it <laughs> and i do i almost feel like it's their like formal press release for everything like this is yeah. how this went down and this is how we felt about this and watch this in the moment in the way we want you to see it and sometimes mm-hmm. they do have obviously like embarrassing moments and hard moments but it's how like they are able to do that because they know that's what the people want oh yeah and they have but so much control like you without, ever yeah not, nothing goes without their control no, nothing and it's insane it's insane that they're that famous and they still maintain that level of control I think it's impressive as fuck to be honest and like do you ever notice that a story will come out like Tristan caught uh kissing a girl at a club and it'll be two days before the premiere yep. and it's like 
how did you make this happen? Or I need something to know. they really don't want will come out and then suddenly like Kendall seeing a new guy and that's all people are talking about. Like yeah. Kris Jenner really is like a puppeteer. She's the puppet master. Yes. Yep. She's the I, puppet I, master. I, has she written a book? Do you know? I'm not sure, but I do love reading celeb autobiographies. But as someone who has dealt with reality TV... I, I used to love it and now I've been on like I couldn't watch the last couple seasons of some uh, the last couple episodes of my ep- season of Summer House I've taken like a break from it because I've seen what it's like when you're not in control I think about like if I were on a reality TV show I would react to everything like I, I would well that's your job probably is to react to everything yeah but then I feel like I would end up making myself look really bad because I can you know I'm a loud mouth and I'll say something in the moment and then well, later it on all I'll depends. Like, what the fuck was I even if, talking about if people around you are have your side they won't talk bad about it in confessionals but if people don't yeah. then they could talk bad about it in confessionals and show that side of the story like my last season I had barely any confessionals so no one knew what was going on with me oh and why do you think that was because the other side was better TV. Oh, see, that's that's. There's so much politics that are involved with it. That's so. You, but you're no done, right? You're not going idea. back. So yeah, I'm done. I'm done. But it was a like wild, beautiful experience. But the universe yeah. was definitely like, you're not. You don't belong in this space right now. <laughs> right, and that's fair. You know, sometimes something is right for you in the moment, and then it's not yes. going to be right for you. And I feel like three seasons, that's a nice, you know, progression. Like, well, you also, can probably when I see started, you change a lot. I was 26 and single. And right. Like, and, and, like, I had, yeah, my life was so different. And then in three years, like, I met someone I'm in a serious place with. And it's funny where people go on reality TV to find love, where I'm, like, I'm literally protecting my relationship by being, like, yeah. being the public eye in a relationship is so unhealthy. Like, to have people deciding if they're, like, fans of you as a couple or not, that's crazy. It's all ego-based. That is crazy. That imagine is crazy. Imagine thinking if people are, like, like, you have, like, your friends who either, like, like your boyfriend or they don't. But imagine, like, literally people rooting or not rooting for you as a relationship based on, like, <laughs> a couple things that, like, people said about you in a confessional. Right. Well, you know, um, this didn't happen to me, but this did happen to my co-host, Andrea. Um, a few years ago, she was dating. She was dating a guy that there he lovely guy. They still talk, but he was a very hipstery, skinny, uh, half shaved head type of Brooklyn uh, mm-hmm. artist type. Right. Mm-hmm. And she posts a picture on her Instagram and the comments that were so mean. I could not believe that people felt entitled to comment. Somebody said he looked like a gay Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> Somebody said, like, how could he, how could that, like, little skinny Slim Jim handle all of that ass? You know, like, it was just like really everybody calling him gay. And like, that made me feel like, okay. Because I was single at the time. I was like, when I have a boyfriend, I'm going to try to keep him off social media. I mean, and I have yeah, stayed true to that. You only see so much or what they want to show on the show. And I was in the yeah. meantime, like developing a real relationship like that they decided not really to show. But I was like talking to him every single night and we we're growing, whatever. Was then, it because they were trying to like, do you think they wanted they were trying to, to focus on another love triangle? They were trying to make oh, okay. it look like I was into someone else. But um, okay. I 
but I was like, but then once this guy came in, they were like, oh, Hannah was lying. And it's like, no, I wasn't lying about anything. Everyone knew about him oh. from day one. But it's so funny. We're getting the tea now that we're here. Um, no, I love it. It's crazy because then people are watching the season and, you know, they're in that space of like what's going on and what they're seeing. Well, meanwhile, there's months going by and then I get engaged and I post and people like freak out and it was yeah. a ton of positivity but also a ton of just like this one's not gonna last he's using her for fame this isn't gonna work like imagine getting engaged like the best mute, most beautiful moment of your life and people shitting all over it like it's great because because of what they saw that's, on a tv show that's right and it was and and the timing was the such timing that is it not was realistic yeah exactly. oh my god that and it's that's way more so interesting rough. to make a love triangle look like or or like i'm tricking someone because i have a guy on the side when it like actually i was very open and honest about it the whole time <gasps> i am so sorry that that happened that oh, no, is it's okay. so shitty it's okay that is it's okay. so shitty it's okay i'm out i'm out um yeah but this is a good segue <laughs> speaking of being angry when was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger oh I'm not an angry person. I can't remember the last time I actually got angry at Interesting. someone. Interesting. Yeah. You're I, more of a sad. <laughs> <laughs> like it has to be one or the other. No, I, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. I guess I am more of a sad because when I get angry, I will cry. Like I cry more out of anger or frustration than I do out of, um, like melancholy or sadness mm -hmm. so so yeah I think that's how I respond I don't I usually really don't get angry at other people I get mm -hmm. upset or hurt or frustrated like internally yep. at, at the situation so I I'm sorry if that's like a bad answer but no it's not I'm more like I just like cry when I get like intense emotions or I like hold yeah. it in until I implode um yeah I, I'm just like thinking back to times that I've cried. It's usually because I'm like I frustrated. Have this, yeah, I have this frustration and this anger that like I can't process, but it's not, I don't direct it at other people. It, it's just not, I hate Same. fighting. It's, I hate seeing people fight. It's more I like hate, you have anger towards yourself. Yes. Yeah. I, I direct it inward. Same Z's. When was the last time you were a sloth? So like a lazy piece of shit did nothing all day. Oh, um, probably like two days out of the week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I think for your mental health, it's important to like turn off. Not yeah, just when you're sleeping. I, um, the, I set my own schedule. And so I get most of my work done probably like in a four day period. And then the rest of the time, I'm pretty much doing what I want and that's just like the lifestyle that I want to live. Mm -hmm. I find it shocking that people go into an office five days a week for nine hours a day. I find that absolutely insane. I used to do it when I was like in my early 20s, but now Same. I wouldn't have the energy or the just I, mental I do capacity think it, for it. It's a certain kind of person because like I feel like I was fighting it internally. Like, I didn't know it, but I was like, I can't do And not the kind of like, I don't want to go to work. More like, I physically can't be a slave to this system anymore. <laughs> yeah. Would you ever stare at a wall? I would just stare at a wall all the time. Like, like sitting at my computer, pretending to do work. And then In all, the I nine hours? Stare. 
no one is doing work for the nine hours you have a certain couple of things you have to accomplish and you fucking fill in the day and that's why i'm like give people four hour work days and they will get their shit done and be happy yes a hundred percent you know what i do and this is probably i have adhd so this is just something that helps me but i actually think that it would help a lot of people especially people who work from home force yourself well don't force yourself but like tell yourself i'm gonna do an hour of straight work and then i can do an hour of whatever i want and then do that all day i guarantee you you will end up getting more work done than you would if you just sat down and said i'm gonna get everything done at once well you know those days where you're like i need to get this done and instead of enjoying the procrastination you're procrastinating not doing it but you're stressed the whole time because you know you should be doing something else tell you to yourself these next two hours i'm not gonna do it i'm gonna fucking enjoy it and live life and then i'll do it at three you know? Yeah, I'll go to the park. I'll go to the thrift store. Like I can literally do whatever I want and not But then when yourself. I come back and not feel guilty about it, but then when I come back it's an hour of straight work. And that really like by the end of the day, when you think about it, like by the end of the day you've done 6 hours of work and you also have, you know, some cool new outfits and <laughs> got a tan, you know? Another question. When was the, this is a tough one, but when was the last time you let your ego or pride get in the way of something? You ever get in a fight with your fiance that or an argument or something and even in the moment you know you're wrong, but you can't let it go because you're like I'm already here and I need to be right. Like I just need to be right. Well, so what ha- I 100% agree, but I'm doing this new thing where I think like because I really want to make it work with this man. It's the first guy that I'll be like, I can see why he would feel that way. So I'm going to agree. <laughs> but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how if I was wrong, I would feel that way. Right. But okay. <laughs> He's the first guy that I like will apologize to. That's so but nice. Sometimes I, well, it's just like it's easier. Because you're like, we're not against each other. We're on the same team. And if me just said, and you could argue about literally anything at some point in a relationship, like Mm -hmm. the littlest thing. And then at some point you have to just like pick your battles. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, like I said, I hate fighting. Like I don't pick fights with anybody, but when somebody, when I'm stressed out, when I'm like in an anxious state or I'm trying to do something and I'm trying, I'm stressing out about it. If somebody questions me or like mm. says something negative, that mm. at that point I it's will triggering. snap. Yeah, at, it's yeah. At that point, I will snap. So mm. I'll I'll tell you like the Reader's Digest version because I know we probably need to wrap up soon. But I was throwing this little barbecue and I Where'd had Joe some Rogan friends this over. Shit, three hours. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in our very fancy studio. Um, so I was throwing this barbecue. I had some friends over, and I had two vegetarians coming. I had one person who doesn't drink. I had another person who doesn't drink beer, but does drink other stuff. I had one person who doesn't like cocktails, only likes beer. I had so many different necessities, and I wanted to make them all happy. So. I'm going around to multiple grocery stores. I'm getting different alcohol. I get this fancy like aperitivo. I get um, 
kava like I'm planning a fancy cocktail but then I'm like I need to get beer for the people who don't like cocktails because they're insane and I go to the supermarket and I'm like oh god these beers are so expensive I just spent all this money on the cocktail shit and now I have to buy beer for everyone (laughs) like this is adding up to be so expensive so I'm like you know what I'm not gonna get a ton of beer I'm just gonna get like a six pack and call it a day and then you know people can sip on it so I'm like (laughs) this is my mind this is how I plan to drink I like bang for your buck so like if I know that I'm only going to be able to have two beers I want it to be like a really high ABV percentage Okay, Mm -hmm. and that's the way I think. But Mm -hmm. now I've realized that that's not the way everybody thinks. Some people drink, you know, casually, whatever that is. So you're like, I'm trying to black out in one beer. Yeah, like (laughs) I'm trying to get the most drunk for the least money. It's what you guys not understand about that. That's (laughs) math. I'm smart. So so I got like a nine percent ABV, like double IPA, like a really heavy beer. But I got uh, like a four pack of it. So (laughs) then I bring it home. And the first thing my boyfriend says to me, oh, and this is after I was standing in the beer aisle, like debating like, oh, do I get this one that's $18, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, or do I get this one that's $23, but it comes with six cans and then I'm taking out my calculator and I'm (laughs) calculating, and then I'm like, oh, but that's 8% ABV and this one's 9% ABV. Like I'm doing all this math. I'm in there for, it had to have been a half an hour. I come back to the apartment. The first thing my boyfriend says to me is like, why did you get a double IPA? That's gross. And I was like, well, then you don't need to drink it. What do I care? And then, and then I, and then I turn around and I start walking out because I have to go to another grocery store to get burgers and dogs. And I put in my headphones and I can see his mouth moving and I know he's apologizing to me. And being super sweet and being like, okay, you're right. Like, I didn't mean to stress you out, like whatever. And I'm just like pointing to my earbud. (laughs) I can't hear you. The APV is too loud. (laughs) (laughs) I can't hear anything you're saying. There's too much APV in the universe. The APV has taken over my brain. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just storm out. And then... Obviously, you know, after you let out that much steam, immediately you feel bad and immediately you're like, oh God, I need to walk back with my tail between my legs and be like, sorry, but I just acted like Maybe no one will want to drink this double ABV, but your intentions were right. They were pure, okay? And pure. But um, I'll just confirm that nobody drank my beer. (laughs) (laughs) He was 100% right. Can you put half a beer in water and then it becomes normal abv <laughs> it's like you know with two percent milk you're like if i put water in it if it i water it down skim? a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. then it becomes skim if i mix red wine and white wine then it becomes rosé <laughs> um no actually two separate people opened the fridge and i was like this is what we have you know i i'm presenting the beer and i'm like this is what we have i got this very fancy double ipa Immediately when people saw the ABV percentage, they were like, uh, no, I'm good. Like, that is so funny. I don't think I'm not a big beer drinker, but I've never even noticed the ABV. I'm just like, I know this is going to taste like beer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
I'm not that big of a beer drinker yeah. either, which is why when I do drink it, I want it to pack a punch. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking that most people don't think like that. Most people just, if they want to you know have what? a beer with a burger. You can't read minds. You can't read I can't, minds. I can't read minds. Okay? You're not a I, fucking Williamsburg brewist, <laughs> brewologist. Jesus. I'm not a medium. <laughs> You're not, I just I'm not like, Long Island there's, medium. There's like okay. astrologists, but there's also brewologists, and they're like, "Oh, you're four percent ABV. That's something you would do." Hannah, um, I take you for about a five point five, <laughs> like a hazy. That's um, something someone who's a seven percent would say. <laughs> um, this is actually a good segue to our final question. Okay. Besides your boy toy, who is the last person you lusted over? Like, do you have a celebrity crush? Yeah, and I, I feel like it's so, um, it's so, you know, passe, but Timothy Chalamet. Oh my God. I think God. Timothy Chalamet is like the ideal man. I just, I love like that European, like lanky, like, I actually think like him and then the Americanized version of it would be like Seth Cohen from the OC. Yeah. Like Seth Cohen was always like, I like you want to talk about lust like I think I knew for sure that I was straight when the OC was on because Seth Cullen was just like he was not supposed to be the dreamboat like the um whatever the other fucking guy's yeah. name the uh Russell Crowe lookalike yeah. Yeah. he was supposed to be like the bad boy that everybody loved but then everybody was jerking it to Seth Cohen yeah yep. and it's funny because I think my boyfriend looks like Seth Cohen um a little bit yeah yeah well i i'm definitely similar like i have a type and i love how quickly you answered that also i call him timothy chevrolet and also (laughs) as someone who grew up in new york city this is like a new york city reference but he reminds me of just like every kid that went to LaGuardia. like they're oh the school of the arts and he did go to LaGuardia, but it's all these like kind of like skinny hipstery kind of like very charming funny guys um, and rich and rich from who knows where yeah it's so funny because i recently watched oh it's this movie with carrie mulligan it is called promising young woman oh i've heard of that i haven't watched it because it seems super dark but it I've is actually it's, good. it's not as dark as you'd think um definitely trigger warning for sexual assault but it was like very empowering and okay but like Bo Burnham's in it and I watched Inside with Bo Burnham and I like loved it and then I was on like a full Bo Burnham binge because I like like his mind and had then, you seen his other specials I I had but like they I just like knew like oh he's a genius but like yeah. I wasn't in it and then <laughs> literally last night my fiance comes home and I'm watching Promising Young Woman and he goes so you have a crush on Bo Burnham like let's just call it what it is <laughs> and I was like I don't have a crush on Bo Burnham and he's like you have a crush on Bo Burnham and You're I was like, like no I just think he's super smart and talented and interesting no, and really I attractive brain works. and I happened to find out when I googled it that he's 6'5 which now I don't know oh, what that to do with that information <laughs> oh yeah but I know you're a sucker for the, the talls I don't normally like beards on guys but like him with his beard on inside i was like oh i see you in a different light and i could you work know what with that's this. so funny i find that so funny that um because bo burnham like has always to me been like a pretty clean cut yes pretty um yes. and like he's like the like crossover a, comic of america like yeah, i feel like everybody with this the, weird hairdo with like he almost had too long um side oh, like a beetle like a beetle yeah yeah and i, I d- did not like his hairdo i just think it's funny that for you to find 
him attractive. I he need him to be to raw. Like, I need yeah, him more you, rawness. Yeah, you need him to like grow a beard, like not shower a little bit, like have like kind of a <gasps> little gut. Like, naked, yeah, with his little boxes on being <laughs> crying. And I was like, I'm into it. The vulnerability. <laughs> I didn't like his quaffed look like trying to be hot. I liked right. his just like being authentically sad. Right. Um, and if yeah, you've learned no, anything from this, being your authentic sad self is where is happiness hot. lies. Yeah. And that's, and that's hot. what's hot. Bo Burnham without Botox. Botox. <laughs> B-E-A-U. <laughs> oh my God. Genius. Final question for you. That was the final game question. Now final overall question. Okay. We've gone on this journey together. What advice would you give to the little devils on how to cope with your hell when you're going through it? When it's dark, when it's fiery, what do you do to survive? This sounds way too simple, but deep breathing. Deep breathing has absolutely changed the game for me. I started doing it in therapy and it really it gets you out of your like reptilian I am fighting for survi- survival mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. of your brain it's like if you're I struggle with anxiety like if I'm having an anxiety attack really focusing on my breath taking three deep breaths in through the nose and then out through the nose focus on the breath on your upper lip I know that's also probably sounds weird but it's like it focuses on one singular area of your face and it really mm-hmm. helps that really helps do you meditate also, I don't meditate mm-hmm. no I should but I, I mean I kind of do like mm-hmm. the, I don't call it meditation but I will sit on the porch and do some deep breathing for a few minutes which I guess is meditation but I I don't think of it as meditation mm-hmm. I I just think of it as calming myself down having a moment to like ground yourself in your body um I really think it works. And also tell people, like tell people how you're feeling. Don't just sit with your feelings because when I do that, it snowballs out of control. Yep. I I like to be able to tell somebody who I trust and who has a calming presence. Who and can, can tell call me, like, out when the voices in your head are lying to you instead exactly. of you just like believing them and like coming up with more narratives and more of a storyline that's like might just be made up. Exactly. And sometimes you think that the hell that you're going through is unique to you. And I hate to burst your bubble, but it's not. It's really not. There are other people who have experienced the exact same thing that you are. And the second you say how you're feeling to them, they're going to be like, oh, girl, I know I was feeling like that the other day. But then I realized that I'm not, you know, it's it's community and um, just like confiding in people really helps. Oh, I love that so much. Emily, where can people listen to you, follow you? Give me the goods. Sure. You can listen to my podcast, RIP Diets. It comes out every Monday and we're in the off season right now. Um, So it's the perfect time to binge those episodes. Also, I've had Hannah on and that would be a great episode to start with. If you like Hannah, you will love it. We talked about her being an athlete and... Also <laughs> spiraling out of control yeah. with her eating and <laughs> yeah, it was really it was a interesting very fun episode. I and I actually didn't know any of that stuff about you. I didn't know that you ever struggled with that. So it was it was a it was a good bonding experience too. So you can listen to that. That's available wherever you get podcasts, and you can also listen to the Hot Mess Comedy Hour available wherever you get podcasts. It's just about being a hot mess, and you can follow me at Lubination on social media. That's L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. 
I love it. I love it so much. Emily, thank you for coming to hell, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs>